Chapter Nine, Part Twelve of the General History of the Pirates, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cade Mackenzie. The General History of the Pirates, Volume One by Charles Johnson. Chapter Nine, Part Twelve. Benjamin Jeffreys by the depositions of glasby and lilburn acquitted against this prisoner it appeared that his drunkenness was what at first detained him from going away in his proper ship the norman galley and next morning for having been abusive in his drink saying to the pirates there was not a man amongst them he received for a welcome six lashes from every person in the ship which disordered him for some weeks but on recovery was made boatswain's mate the serving of which or any office on board a pirate is at their own option though elected because others are glad to accept what brings an additional share in prize the deponents further say that at sierra leone every man had more especially the means of escaping and that this prisoner in particular neglected it and came off from that place after their ship was under sail and going out of the river the prisoner in his defence protests he was at first forced and that the office of boatswain's mate was imposed on him and what he would have been glad to have relinquished that the barbarous whipping he had received from the pirates at first was for telling them that none who could get their bread in an honest way would be on such an account and he had certainly taken the opportunity which presented at sierra leone of ridding himself from so distasteful a life if there had not been three or four of the old pirates on shore at the same time who he imagined must know of him and would doubtless have served him the same if not worse than they since had done william williams who for such a design being delivered up by the treacherous natives had received two lashes through the whole ship's company the court observed the excuses of these pirates about want of means to escape was oftentimes as poor and evasive as their pleas of being forced at first for here at sierra leone every man had his liberty on shore and it was evident might have kept it if he or they had so pleased and such are further culpable who having been introduced into the society by such uncivil methods as whipping or beating neglect less likely means of regaining liberty it shows strong inclinations to dishonesty and they stand inexcusably guilty john mansfield it was proved against this prisoner by captain Traherne and george fenn that he was one of those volunteers who was at the attack and robbery of the company's ship called the king solomon that he bullied well among them who dared not make any reply but was very easy with his friends who knew him for moody on this occasion took a large glass from him and threatened to blow his brains out a favourite phrase with these pirates if he muttered at it from others acquitted it likewise appeared that he was at first a volunteer among them from an island called dominica in the west indies and had to recommend himself told them he was a deserter from the rose man of war and before that had been on the highway he was always drunk they said and so bad at the time they met with the swallow that he knew nothing of the action but came up vapouring with his cutlass after the fortune had struck her colours to know who would go on board the prize and it was some time before they could persuade him into the truth of their condition he could say little in defence of himself acknowledged this latter part of drunkenness a vice he says that had too great a share in ensnaring him into this course of life and had been a greater motive with him than gold guilty 
William Davis. William Allen deposed he knew this prisoner at Sierra Leone, belonging to the Anne Galley, that he had a quarrel with and beat the mate of that ship, for which, as he said, being afraid to return to his duty, he consorted to the idle customs and ways of living among the Negroes, from whom he received a wife, and ungratefully sold her, one evening, for some punch to quench his thirst. After this, having put himself under the protection of Mr. Plunkett, governor there for the Royal African Company, the relations and friends of the woman applied to him for redress, who immediately surrendered the prisoner and told them he did not care if they took his head off. But the Negroes, wisely judging it would not fetch so good a price, they sold him in his turn again to Seigneur José, a Christian black and native of that place, who expected and agreed for two years' service from him on consideration of what he had dispersed for the redemption of the woman. But long before the expiration of this time, Roberts came into Sierra Leone River, where the prisoner, as Señor José assured the deponent, entered a volunteer with them. The deponent further corroborates this part of the evidence, in that he being obliged to call at Cape Mount in his passage down hither, met there with two deserters from Roberts' ship, who assured him of the same, and that the pirates did design to turn Davis away the next opportunity, as an idle, good-for-nothing fellow. From Glasby and Lilburn it was evident that every pirate, while they stayed at Sierra Leone, went on shore at discretion. That Roberts had often assured Mr. Glynn and other traders at that place that he would force no body, and in short there was no occasion for it, in particular the prisoner's row-mate went away and thinks he might have done the same if he had pleased. The prisoner alleged his having been detained against his will, and says that returning with elephant's teeth for Sierra Leone, the pirate's boat pursued and brought him on board, where he was kept on account of his understanding the pilotage and navigation of that river. It was obvious to the court not only how frivolous excuses of constraint and force were among these people at their first commencing pirates, but also it was plain to them from these two deserters met at Cape Mount and the discretional manner they lived in at Sierra Leone through how little difficulty several of them did and others might have escaped afterwards if they could but have obtained their own consents for it guilty this is the substance of the trials of roberts's crew which may suffice for others that occur in this book the foregoing lists shows by an asterisk before the names who were condemned those names with a cross were referred for trial to the marshalsea and all the rest were acquitted the following pirates were executed according to their sentence without the gates of Cape Corso Castle, within the floodmarks, viz. There now follows a list of all the pirates who were executed, gives their names, their age, and their origin. William Magnus, 35, Minehead. Richard Hardy, 25, from Wales. David Simpson, 36, North Berwick. Christopher Moody, 28, place unknown. Thomas Sutton, 23, Berwick. Valentine Ashplant, 32, Minories. Peter Devine, 42, Stepney. William Phillips, 29, from Lower Shadwell. Philip Bill, 27, St. Thomas's. William Main, 28, Origin Unknown. William Mackintosh, 21, from Canterbury. William Williams, 40, Nigh Plymouth. Robert Hawes, 31, Yarmouth. William Petty, 30, Deptford.
John Janeson, 22, Nye Lancaster. Marcus Johnson, 21, Smyrna. Robert Crow, 44, from the Isle of Man. Michael Mayer, 41, Ghent. Daniel Harding, 26, Croomsbury in Somersetshire. William Fernan, aged 22, Somersetshire. Jonathan Moore, 19, near in Wiltshire. Abraham Harper, 23, from Bristol. Jonathan Parker, 22, Winford in Dorsetshire. Jonathan Phillips, 28, Alloway in Scotland. James Clement, aged 20, Jersey. Peter Scudamore, 35, from Bristol. James Skirm, 44, from Wales. John Walden, 24, Somersetshire. Jonathan Stevenson, 40, from Whitby. Jonathan Mansfield, 30, from the Orkneys. Israel Hind, aged 30, Bristol. Peter Leslie, 21, Aberdeen. Charles Bunce, 26, Exeter. Robert Burtson, aged 30, Other St. Mary's, Devonshire. Richard Harris, 45, Cornwall. Joseph Nossiter, 26, from Sadbury in Devonshire. William Williams, aged 30, speechless at execution. Arge Jacobson, 30, from Holland. Benjamin Jeffreys, 21, from Bristol. Cuthbert Goss, 21, Topson. John Jessop, 20, from Plymouth. Edward Watts, 22, Dunmore. Thomas Giles, 26, Minehead. William Wood, aged 27, York. Thomas Armstrong, aged 34, from London, executed on board the Weymouth. Robert Johnson, 32, but wider. George Smith, 25, from Wales. William Watts, 23, from Ireland. James Phillips, 35, Antigua. John Coleman, 24, from Wales. Robert Hayes, 20, Liverpool. William Davis, 23, Wales. The remainder of the pirates, whose names are under-mentioned, upon their humble petition to the court, had their sentence changed from death to seven years' servitude conformable to our sentence of transportation. The petition is as follows. To the Honourable, the President and Judges of the Court of Admiralty, for trying of pirates, sitting at Cape Corso Castle, the 20th day of April, 1722. The humble petition of Thomas Howe, Samuel Fletcher, etc., humbly showeth that your petitioners being unhappily and unwarily drawn into that wretched and detestable crime of piracy for which they now stand justly condemned they most humbly pray the clemency of the court in the mitigation of their sentence that they may be permitted to serve the royal african company of england in this country for seven years in such a manner as the court shall think proper that by their just punishment being made sensible of the error of their former ways they will for the future become faithful subjects good servants and useful in their stations if it please the almighty to prolong their lives and your petitioners as in duty etc the resolution of the court was that the petitioners have leave by this court of admiralty to interchange indentures with the captain-general of the gold coast for the royal african company for seven years servitude at any of the royal african company settlements in africa in such a manner as he, the said Captain-General, shall think proper. On Thursday, the 26th day of April, the indentures being all drawn out, according to the grant made to the petitioners by the court held on Friday, the 20th of this instant, each prisoner was sent for up, signed, sealed, and exchanged them in the presence of Captain Mungo Herdman, President, James Phipps, Esquire, Mr. Edward Hyde, Mr. Charles Fanshaw, and Mr. John Atkins, Register. 
a copy of the indenture the indenture of a person condemned to serve abroad for piracy which upon the humble petition of the pirates therein mentioned was most mercifully granted by his imperial majesty's commissioners and judges appointed to hold a court of admiralty for the trial of pirates at cape corso castle in africa upon condition of serving seven years and other conditions are as follows viz this indenture made the twenty-sixth day of april anno regni regis georgi magne britanni etc septimo domini millesimo septentesimo virginti duo between roger scott late of the city of bristol mariner of the wumpart and the royal african company of england their captain-general and commander-in-chief for the time being on the other part witnesseth that the said roger scott doth hereby covenant and agree to and with the said royal african company their captain-general and commander-in-chief for the time being to serve him or his lawful successors in any of the royal african company settlements on the coast of africa from the day of the date of these presents to the full term of seven years from hence next ensuing fully to be complete and ended there to serve in such employment as the said captain-general or his successors shall employ him according to the custom of the country in like kind in consideration whereof the said captain-general and commander-in-chief doth covenant and agree to and with the said roger scott to find and allow him meat drink apparel and lodging according to the custom of the country in witness whereof the parties aforesaid to these presents have interchangeably put their hands and seals the day and year first above written signed sealed and delivered in the presence of us at cape corso castle in africa where no stamped paper was to be had mungo herdman president witnesses john atkins register witnesses in like manner was drawn out and exchanged the indentures of thomas howe of barnstable in the county of devon samuel fletcher of east smithfield london john lane of lombard street london david littlejohn of bristol john king of shadwell parish london henry dennis of biddeford hugh harris of corfcastle devonshire william taylor of bristol thomas owen of bristol john mitchell of shadwell parish london joshua lee of liverpool william shuren of wapping parish london robert hartley of liverpool john griffin of blackwall middlesex james crombie of london wapping james greenham of marshfield gloucestershire john horne of st james's parish london john jessop of wisbech cambridgeshire david rice of bristol none of which i hear are now living two others viz george wilson and thomas outerlaney were respited from execution till his majesty's pleasure should be known the former died abroad and the latter came home and received his majesty's pardon the account of the whole stands thus acquitted seventy four executed fifty two respited two to servitude twenty till the marshalsea seventeen killed in the ranger ten killed in the fortune three died in the passage to cape corso fifteen died afterwards in the castle four negroes in both ships seventy total two hundred and seventy-six men i am not ignorant how acceptable the behaviour and dying words of malefactors are to the generality of our countrymen and therefore shall deliver what occurred worthy of notice in the behaviour of these criminals the first fix that were called to execution were magnus moody simpson sutton ashplant and hardy all of them old standers and notorious offenders 
when they were brought out of the hold on the parade in order to break off their fetters and fit the halters none of them it was observed appeared the least dejected unless sutton who spoke faint but it was rather imputed to a flux that had seized him two or three days before than fear a gentleman who was surgeon of the ship was so charitable at this time to offer himself in the room of an ordinary and represented to them as well as he was able the heinousness of their sin and necessity which lay on them of repentance one particular part of which ought to be acknowledging the justice they had met with they seemed heedless for the present some calling for water to drink and others applying to the soldiers for caps but when this gentleman pressed them for an answer they all exclaimed against the severity of the court and were so hardened as to curse and wish the same justice might overtake all the members of it as had been dealt to them they were poor rogues they said and so hanged while others no less guilty in another way escaped when he endeavoured to compose their minds exhorting them to die in charity with all the world and would have diverted them from such vain discourse by asking them their country age and the like some of them answered what was that to him they suffered the law and should give no account but to god walking to the gallows without a tear in token of sorrow for their past offences or showing as much concern as a man would express at travelling a bad road nay simpson at seeing a woman that he knew he said he had lain with that bitch three times and now she was come to see him hanged and hardy when his hands were tied behind him which happened from their not being acquainted with the way of bringing malefactors to execution observed that he had seen many a man hanged but this way of the hands being tied behind them he was a stranger to and never saw before in his life i mention these two little instances to show how stupid and thoughtless they were of their end and that the same abandoned and reprobate temper that had carried them through their rogueries abided with them to the last samuel fletcher another of the pirates ordered for execution but reprieved seemed to have a quicker sense of his condition for when he saw those he was allotted with gone to execution he sent a message by the provost marshal to the court to be informed of the meaning of it and humbly desired to know whether they designed him mercy or not if they did he stood infinitely obliged to them and thought the whole service of his life an incompetent return for so great a favour but that if he was to suffer the sooner the better he said that he might be out of his pain there were others of these pirates the reverse of this and though destitute of ministers or fit persons to represent their sins and assist them with spiritual advice were yet always employing their time to good purposes and behaved with a great deal of seeming devotion and penitence among these may be reckoned scudamore williams phillips stevenson jeffreys leslie harper armstrong bunce and others scudamore too lately discerned the folly and wickedness of the enterprise that had chiefly brought him under sentence of death from which seeing there was no hopes of escaping he petitioned for two or three days reprieve which was granted and for that time applied himself incessantly to prayer and reading the scriptures seemed to have a deep sense of his sins of this in particular and desired at the gallows they would have patience with him to sing the first part of the thirty-first psalm which he did by himself throughout armstrong having been a deserter from his majesty's service was executed on board the weymouth and the only one that was there was no body to press him to an acknowledgment of the crime he died for nor of sorrowing in particular for it 
which would have been exemplary and made suitable impressions on seamen so that his last hour was spent in lamenting and bewailing his sins in general exhorting the spectators to an honest and good life in which alone they could find satisfaction in the end he desired they would join with him in singing two or three latter verses of the hundred and fortieth psalm and that being concluded he was at the firing of a gun triced up at the foreyard arm bunce was a young man not above twenty-six years old but made the most pathetical speech of any at the gallows he first declaimed against the gilded baits of power liberty and wealth that had ensnared him among the pirates his unexperienced years not being able to withstand the temptation but that the briskness he had shown which so fatally had procured him favour amongst them was not so much a fault in principle as the liveliness and vivacity of his nature he was now extremely afflicted for the injuries he had done to all men and begged theirs and god's forgiveness very earnestly exhorting the spectators to remember their creator in their youth and guard betimes that their minds took not a wrong bias concluding with this apt similitude that he stood there as a beacon upon a rock the gallows standing on one to warn erring mariners of danger End of chapter 9, part 12